Welcome into Red Zone Radio. It is great to be here, great to have you. Just a reminder, you can listen to Red Zone Radio on the Hurry Up, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere that you get your podcast. All right, what is going on in the world of football? Mike Vrabel gets fired. Pete Carroll is out as the Seahawks head coach. And then this bombshell of news that Nick Saban is retiring. First of all, this is what happened. I recorded an episode with the Silver Bolton an Ohio State reporter. They got great insight on Ohio State. And you'll get that episode. But I record it prior to the news about Nick Saban coming out. And you actually, he, he references what's going on with Alabama. Because we were previewing next season, talking about the teams. And he said, Alabama could be one of the four best teams. Could be a national title contender. And you'll hear him say, depending on what happens with Nick Saban. And then five minutes, ten minutes after I get off, I'm editing the episode. And then I see Nick Saban retired. So let's get into it because we got, there's just so many good coaches, great coaches in the case of Nick Saban, but so many good coaches that are either fired or retiring. Uh, I can't even keep up with what's going on. Let's start off with Nick Saban. Okay, so first off, I don't think it's a hot take to say that he's the greatest college football coach of all time. If he's not the greatest, he certainly is top two. In my opinion, I don't even think he goes any lower than two. I think he's the greatest of all time. Seven national championships, six at Alabama. He was a different animal as a head coach. And look, we'll get into what it means for the future of Alabama, but let's just talk about Nick Saban for a second. Because this is substantial. Him retiring is just... It's odd to say that it's surprising. Let me put it this way. To me, it is surprising. Maybe it's not to you. To me, it's surprising. And it's kind of odd for me to say that because he's 72 years old. But it just felt like he had more in the tank. And look, people have been trying to end Alabama's dynasty for a long time. I think... It is now over. What Nick Saban did was remarkable. I don't know if we'll ever see it again. And as much as some of you might not like Nick Saban, does not make you happy because your team might have a chance. And, and, and listen, I understand that. But it is kind of surreal to think. I mean, you hear it all the time. A player will retire and they'll say, this is the end of an era. This is an end of an era. And, and sometimes it is, but this truly is the end of an era. What Nick Saban did with the college football playoff prior to that, it, it was just unheard of. It was something that you do in a video game on NCAA, and he was doing it in real life in the SEC. It's just absurd to think about. And by the way, even this year, I know they came up short to Michigan. He got a lot more out of this roster than I think he probably should have. I don't know if there's another coach in the country, including Kirby Smart, even including Jim Harbaugh. Those two are great coaches. I don't know if anybody could have led that team to a playoff appearance, a win over Georgia, and practically a win over Michigan. I mean, it's not practically a win, 
But they were in control of that game in the fourth quarter. And they had the worst roster in the Michigan case. They had the worst roster in the Georgia game. They had the worst roster in Texas game, and obviously they lost that. But to be able to bounce back and win the SEC championship, remember it was this season is just gonna be remembered for playoff loss. They also beat Georgia in the SEC championship, and so he gets to go out in a year in which they win the SEC championship. As to why he did it, I'm not Nick Saban. I couldn't tell you what exactly is going through his head. But obviously we can all speculate. And if I had to speculate, it has to do with the fact that the playoffs are going to get, even though they're going to expand, it's going to be harder to win. The SEC is going to get tougher. Georgia's out recruiting them now on a yearly basis, even though they did beat them. And I think he says, look, I'm going to wipe my hands clean to this. I won seven national championships. I won six with Alabama. There's not much more I can prove. There's not much more I can do. Really, at this point, I could really only potentially be hurting my legacy, even though I don't think he would be hurting his legacy by making some playoff appearances and maybe losing those playoff appearances. But it's a lot of work being a college coach. you got to recruit early signing period. you got to convince kids to come to your school. Transfer portal, recruiting-wise. The NIL, I think, has gotten a little too much, but maybe for him. But obviously, that's all speculation. What really happened, I don't know. But he is the greatest coach, college coach of all time. And as far as Alabama's uh, future goes, as far as Alabama's future goes, they're going to be okay, I think. It's hard for me to say that because prior to, it's not that they don't have any history at all, but prior to Nick Saban getting there, this isn't a program that Nick Saban and Hareton was known as a powerhouse. They have had success, but when he inherited, it was not a powerhouse. And he just did remarkable things with it. Obviously, Jalen Miller was coming back. They have a couple people. They have a couple players coming back that were notable this year, but they also have had a lot of players either enter the portal or enter the draft. Kool Aid McKinstry, Will Reichard, the kicker, one of the, great, one of the greatest kickers of all time in college history, Dallas Turner. All those guys entered the draft, so who knows what next season or the future of Alabama is. I'm sure they'll find a coach. I'm sure it's it's weird, and, and we'll get into that throughout the offseason about how attractive of a job it is because you're going to be replacing Nick Saban. There, there's a projected list, according to Pete Thamel, of Dabble Sweeney's on it and some other notable coaches, but... We're going to see what happens, but as far as this goes, it was kind of a bombshell, and it's interesting because college football is certainly changing, but it is, even if you're not a fan of Nick Saban, even if you don't like Alabama, and and I'm not a Bama fan, but it it is kind of sad to see if you're a college football fan. Of course, uh, it's not necessarily, like I said, it's not unexpected. But it is surprising in the sense that even though you heard a couple reports, it was kind of like, yeah, but he's not he's not going to go out with a loss in the playoff semifinal. I mean, he did go out in the SEC championship. And you kind of thought, yeah, he's not going to go out that way and he's going to wait for this roster reload. It, it, I, I think that's what's surprising is that you thought he was going to go out the national championship and maybe he just thinks... I'm not going to win one anytime soon. I don't, again, I don't know what he thinks. And uh, I'm not going to go on and on about this, but 
that was absolutely some crazy news to hear. Like I said, it's not that it's surprising, but it's not unexpected. You didn't, you you weren't expected, you weren't necessarily anticipating him making that decision this very off season. But if I said to you two years ago, hey, within the next two years, Nick Saban is going to retire, you would be like, oh yeah, that's kind of expected, right? So it, it's weird, it's expected, but it's also not. All right, let's go to the other big coaching change. Pete Carroll uh, was a little emotional at the podium talking about him no longer being the head coach of Seattle. He's going to stay in the front office. Man, it is weird to me. I mean, we're talking about a team that he almost made the playoffs with Geno Smith, and with all due respect to Geno Smith, I don't think he's a world beater. It's a little surprising but at the same time, look, you're talking about another coach that's 72. Now, it, this is a little more unexpected kind of because he said he could coach. Now, he's not retiring, but it kind of because he said he could coach for so much longer. It's unexpected because it's not like he's been struggling. I mean, they haven't been a Super Bowl contender in a while. But with Geno Smith, I mean, he did pretty good. I, I, was, I, was, I was surprised to hear this, a little disappointed. Pete Carroll brought Seattle Super Bowl, was great at USC. Clearly now looks like a bigger part for Russell Wilson's success than anybody ever gave him credit for, including myself. And so it, it's absolute craziness. Okay, I haven't even gotten to the Michigan winning the national championship yet. We, I'm, I'm so behind all this news. Let's talk about another great coach. He's not retiring, um, but he may be going back to the NFL, Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh... Many people, including myself, when he couldn't beat Ohio State, said I said he reached his ceiling at Michigan and it's time for Michigan to move on and find somebody else. And and Jim Harbaugh went back to the drawing board, won three times in a row against Ohio State, beat Alabama, and eventually beat Washington to win the national championship. I said this a few episodes ago. If you were planning on going back to the NFL, and I believe Jim Harbaugh is. There's never going to be a window like this again. You had one of the best college football seasons in, in history. One of the, certainly, arguably, the greatest season in Michigan history. You re, you reclaimed Michigan's spot at the top of college football and you go out with a national championship, and then you go into a good situation. It's not just one or the other. You get to go out with them winning the national championship, and you get to go to the Chargers, who have Joey Boza, who have Khalil Mack, who have Derwin James, who have Justin Herbert, the most important thing, a great quarterback, a loaded roster in the NFL, plus you're leaving on great terms, plus you avoid the potential suspension that may come. I don't agree with the suspension, but it may come. I don't think the starts are going to line any better than that, and I think Jim Harbaugh did what he sent out to do. Nothing left to prove at Michigan, and congratulations to him. All right, one more coaching change before I get to this episode. It's really the episode jam-packed with uh, the inter- or the interview. I should say it jam-packed with uh, great stuff about college football, about the future of Ohio State, the Big Ten, and conference realignment. I want to talk about Mike Vrabel being fired. As the Titans head coach, I thought this was absurd. One of the most ridiculous firings of a head coach that I've seen in a long time. Okay, first of all, 
this season, the Titans did not have a good roster. They just did not have a good roster. Will Levis came in a couple times, and he looked good. And Derrick Henry appears to be done in Tennessee. But it's an old roster. It's a veteran roster. There's not a lot of great weapons on the roster. I think it was the wrong decision. He was far from the issue in Tennessee. Remember, we're talking about a guy that made the AFC Championship a couple years ago against Kansas City. We're talking about a guy that has built this team kind of in his own image. Physical, tough, defensive, possession football. And they have been a force to be reckoned with in the AFC. Not this year, and I understand that. But remember, this is a team that blew out the Chiefs a couple years ago in the regular season. That has had a lot of playoff success. Remember, not only did they beat the Chiefs, they beat the Ravens on that run. They beat the Patriots on that run in the playoffs. So, it, look, it, it's hard to say it was justifiable in firing him. And he's going to get a look somewhere. There is so much going on in the coaching world. Nick Saban retires. Mike Rabel let go. Pete Carroll out as the head coach of the Seahawks. It's going to be so weird watching those teams, in particular the Seahawks and really Alabama. It's going to be so weird watching them next year without those guys on the sideline. And we'll see what the future of those two franchises are. But I will tell you this. I have a feeling it's going to trend downwards rather than upwards. And with Alabama, it wasn't their fault. I think Nick Saban was... Nick Saban retired, but with the Seahawks, I think they kind of forced him out of that position, and I thought it was a little odd. But with that being said, here is today's episode with the Silver Bolton. I hope you enjoy it. We have David from the Silver Bolton joining us, has great insight in what is going on in the Ohio State football program. We're going to talk some Ohio State, some college football in general. Uh, David, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, absolutely, Robert. Thanks for having us. Always a pleasure to talk about us. All right, so uh, I want to talk about, obviously, Ryan Day has lost three years in a row to Michigan, and there's no hiding that. But when you think about where Ryan Day started, in 2019, he kind of had a super team. I know it wasn't a real super team, but it, it was a loaded roster that should have at least made the national championship if it wasn't for that Clemson game and some questionable calls. And that was what he started with. And then afterwards, the defense wasn't quite strong enough to win in twenty nine or 2020, but he he had a great team. He took him to the national championship. He beat Clemson. Obviously, that Alabama team was a different animal. 2021, CJ Stroud's a first-year quarterback. He loses to Oregon earlier in the year, and the streak to Michigan ends. And then last year, if you look at what happened against Michigan, it, what really hurt them was the big plays, obviously, the defense. It comes back this year, the defense has improved, but the quarterback's not quite right. And so I'm not making excuses for these seasons. Obviously, you wish you would have won a national title. But I just think people that are saying Ryan Day should be fired, Ryan Day uh, hasn't been, isn't able to beat Michigan, and especially now with Michigan with a national title, do you not only do you view the Michigan losses in a different light, do you view how do you view Ryan Day? Yeah, that's a great question. And you, and you kind of hit the, the nail on the head in describing how the last few seasons have went. It always seems like they're a piece away 
Uh, you mentioned 2019. Obviously, there wasn't a whole lot they could have done differently. That Clemson game was super unfortunate. Uh, 2020 and 2021, really, there were a lot of defensive struggles uh, with Kerry Combs as the coordinator. He was uh, released after 2021. They brought in Jim Knowles. He has done exactly what he said he was going to do and fix that defense. Last year, obviously, kind of marked by inconsistent quarterback play. So they've been a piece away the last couple of years. Um, in terms of how I view Ryan Day, I think now is his time. He's got to put up or shut up. Um, at Ohio State, it is it is really in my lifetime, certainly almost unforgivable to lose to Michigan three times in a row. I'm 25 years old personally, and in those 25 years, I had only seen the Buckeyes lose to Michigan twice um, before these last three seasons, and now they've done it three in a row. So this is the time to put up or shut up, and I know we'll get into their transfer portal additions and the returning players in a little bit, but I think you're kind of starting to see some of the aggressiveness pay off, landing Quinshawn Judkins on the recruiting trail, holding on to, excuse me, in the transfer portal, holding on to Edrick Houston and Jeremiah Smith on the recruiting trail, nabbing some other big pieces like Will Howard, making some coaching changes. Again, we'll get into all that, but um, I think, Ryan Day, you're seeing a more aggressive version of him that we haven't seen in a while. Uh, Ohio State fans have been asking for it, and it looks like we're finally getting it here. So I think uh, you absolutely have to give him this year and give him another shot with a roster that he looks like he's putting together for 2024. I think this year will be very telling, though, as far as how his future is, is concerned. No, I, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, he's got let, – let's get into some of those players that you were talking about because – Ohio State is going to be uh, loaded, at least on defense and on offense for that matter, in my opinion, coming in this next year. If you're a Buckeye fan and you look at the way this offseason has gone, it really couldn't have gone much better than you would have pictured it. Obviously, I like Will Howard. Maybe some people would have rather had Cameron Ward. There's a couple things, but I mean, in terms of just how this offseason has gone, players returning, players will get in the transfer portal. Uh, you mentioned Quinchon Junkins. We all, Denzel Burke today said he's coming back. Jack Sawyer's coming back. Lathan Ransom's coming back. Um, so you can kind of look at this offseason and have high expectations for next year, not just because it's Ohio State, obviously, but also because of these players. What do you make of this aggressive offseason? Will it pay off? I love it, first of all. I absolutely love it. Like I said, Ohio State fans have been wanting this aggressive version of Ryan Day for a while. Uh, we've all heard about the supposed NIL issues that Ohio State was having the last couple of years. It seems like they've solved that, which has allowed them to keep guys like Jeremiah Smith in the fold, add guys like Quinshawn Judkins. And yeah, it's really gone almost as good as possible for this Ohio State team. Returning basically everybody of significance. Obviously, they'll lose Marvin Harrison Jr. They've lost Mike Hall. Uh, maybe JT Tuimoloau and Emeka Ibuka. We'll see what happens there. Um, but it's it's just gone swimmingly so far, really. There's no other way to put it. Denzel Burke coming back, like you mentioned. Uh, Jack Sawyer, Lathan Ransom, um, uh, Ty Hamilton. Yeah, up and down the roster, Donovan Jackson just announced about an hour ago, the offensive lineman, that he'll be back. Um, it, it's gone as well as possible. And, and you mentioned Will Howard versus Cam Ward, some of the other guys that were available. I will say that Ryan Day in a recent press conference said that Will Howard was the guy that the coaching staff circled and, and was in agreement upon, that he was the guy they wanted. They went out and got him. I think he's a winner. I think he's a guy that wants to be at Ohio State, who understands the rivalry against Michigan, who understands how hard it is to win in the Big Ten, uh, coming from a power conference himself, obviously, uh, Kansas State. So, yeah, I think this offseason for Ohio State has been excellent. Um, I would give 
them an A so far, and, and I don't say that lightly or, or as a homer. I think they've done all the things they've set out to do, and I don't think they're even close to done yet. So Ohio State fans should be absolutely thrilled with how it's going. No, I, I definitely agree with everything you just said about Ohio State. And, uh, you know, if you don't mind for a second, before we get too far into the future of college football, I know you have great insight on the Ohio State program. Uh, you were the first person I hear talk about. Uh, you had the report about Kachan Junkins. For Ohio State fans that don't know, what was the story with Kyle McCord? Uh, and I apologize. I know I didn't uh, send this to you ahead of time, but I just, before we move too far in the, in the future, and obviously some Ohio State fans are happy to see him go. And I'm, and obviously, as we said, he was inconsistent, but you kind of kind of look at it and think what made him hit the transfer portal. There's a lot of rumors. What really happened in your opinion? Yeah, I think what was reported is pretty accurate. Uh, the Columbus Dispatch, I think it was, came out with the report that said McCord was looking for assurances that he was going to be the guy uh, in 2024, be the starting quarterback for Ohio State. Uh, I'm not sure that the NIL raise part was true, but I did think McCord had that meeting with Ryan Day. McCord and his dad sat down with Ryan Day. They said, look, you know, I want assurances that Kyle is going to be the guy for 2024, and Ryan Day wouldn't commit. Um, and that's why Kyle McCord decided to go ahead and jump in. Now, Ryan Day wasn't saying that McCord would or would not be. He just wasn't willing to commit to that. But I think that's what led to McCord going back to the Northeast. He's from Philadelphia. I think Syracuse is a good fit for him. Uh, but I think this was this was a marriage that just didn't really end up working out for both parties. And you see that a lot in college football. And it's not really something that I think either party is super disappointed about. Obviously, they would have loved it to work out. But I think now what has happened, McCord went to Syracuse, the Buckeyes bringing in Howard as a one-year guy before Lincoln Keenholz or Aaron Nolan takes over in 2025. I think it'll work out for both parties. I wish nothing but the best for McCord. It's a shame it didn't work out at Ohio State. Um, still had some good moments, though. That game against Notre Dame will go down as an all-time classic. Of course, that final drive. Uh, fortunately, the Michigan game did not go down the same way. Um, but, yeah, I think I think in the best interest of both parties, it was simply time to move on, and I think you got to respect that on both sides. Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's talk about, obviously, next season, but you look at the – we talked about transfer portal, and I know you talked a little about Edric Houston – um, Ohio State signed Jeremiah Smith, the number one player in all of college football twenty or in all of high school recruiting, twenty twenty four. When you look at recruiting in Ohio State, I believe the last time I checked had the most five stars signed in the twenty twenty four class. Everyone can say what they want to about Ryan Day and the losses to Michigan, and it's fair. But one thing I will say is when you look at the returning players, when you look at the recruiting, and I'm not obviously NIL is a part of it, but every call every major college has NIL. Um. Clearly, he is a culture builder. I know people like to kind of take criticize him for the culture that he's built. He's clearly a culture builder, or these players want to wouldn't want to come back and play for him. So, when you see the future under Ryan Day, if next year goes as planned, and I'm not saying it has to be a national championship, although that probably would be the expectation. But if we make it far, if 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 we beat Michigan, what do you see the future of Ohio State's recruiting? Uh, looking like do you see it going up or potentially coming down with other schools coming in with that may have more nil money yeah that's absolutely a great question and, and you've kind of seen it on both sides uh first of all I'll speak to the ryan day culture builder comment i think that's dead on 
I think Uriah Day has always been known as a player's coach. Um, I think that's a good thing, and I think it can sometimes be a bad thing. Um, you don't see that robotic win-at-all-cost mentality like Urban Meyer had. But at the same time, you hear about Ryan Day, you know, the, the mental health is such a big thing for him, and I think that's very valuable. You heard a guy like Harry Miller, who's no longer playing for Ohio State, but who said that Ryan Day saved his life because he was able to talk to him about mental health issues and things like that. And I think that stuff is super valuable, especially – with what's going on in college football today. I mean, you saw J.J. McCarthy in the fourth quarter talking to a mental health specialist during the national championship game. That stuff is not going away, and I think it's very valuable. Now, in terms of the recruiting and the NIL, Ohio State is a recession-proof program, and they are the only recession-proof program in college football. And what I mean by that is that for the past 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 years, Ohio State has been a top five program, and that will never go away. The resources they have, the donor base, the facilities – Everything that Ohio State has is built to last another 100 years, and I don't think that they will ever stop recruiting at a high level. Now, I think their NIL did have some issues at the beginning. I think you saw that. You saw that with a guy like Justin Scott flipped to Miami. You've seen that uh, with a couple other guys. For example, uh, Texas A&M stealing a couple defensive linemen that Ohio State wanted a couple of cycles ago. Cam Ward asked for a lot of money. Ohio State didn't give it to him. Now, nobody in college football did. That's why he's declaring for the NFL, but the point stands. Uh, I think Ohio State will continue to recruit at a high level. I think their on-field success needs to justify that, and I think it will. I mean, you look at what they did this year. They they went 10-2, and two, lost their last two games, and everyone's acting like you know the sky is falling and the program is over and they should just drop football. Now, obviously, that's not the case. Ohio State had a, had a bad season by their standards. But they were still 10-2, and two, made a New Year's Six Bowl game, and were 40 yards away from being in the college football playoff. Um, so I think they'll continue to recruit at a high level. I don't anticipate that changing. They picked up another 20, uh, 2025 commit today. Um, and Zaheer Mathis, defensive end out of Philadelphia. They grabbed five-star Devin Sanchez from Texas a few days ago. Looks like they're in good shape for Dorian Brew, another five-star out of Texas. So they're going to continue to recruit at a high level. I don't anticipate that changing. I think their NIL situation is only going to get better, and I have a lot of confidence in the way things are trending right now. Yeah, absolutely. You, I mean, you could almost make an argument. The Missouri loss could practically end up being a blessing in disguise for Ohio State. I mean, not that that was the only motivating factor to do good this offseason, of course, losing to Michigan. But I think I think losing to Missouri and, of course, look, they didn't have Devin Brown got hurt earlier in that game. We did have players playing, but Missouri is really motivated. And that Missouri team's legit good is a legitimately good team. But I think Ohio mm-hmm. State, I, I think that loss kind of did something to Ryan Day, even more so it motivated him more to get in the portal um, and do the and be aggressive this offseason like we we're talking about. So I want to move on to uh, next year because next year the Big Ten is going to change and also the playoffs are going to change. Let's talk about the Big Ten first. Based off what I saw Monday night, and I think Kalen DeBoer is a great coach and Washington's a good program, but Michael Penix is probably going to leave. Romo Dunze is probably going to leave. They're not going to be quite as talented as this year. But even if they were, you saw how they matched up against Michigan. How do you feel that Ohio State is going to do with the new Big Ten. And I obviously, look, they're going to be good. But you look at a team like Oregon coming in. You look at a team like USC and Lincoln Riley coming in. Do you think Ohio State, and obviously we don't know what's going to happen with Jim Harbaugh, do you think Ohio State is poised, not just the talent they have coming in, but obviously it's going to get harder around them to reclaim the Big Ten throw next year? 
I think they absolutely can. I think if you look at it on paper, I would say them and Oregon right now, maybe Penn State are probably the top three rosters in the league. USC is pretty good. I'm just not sold yet. I have to see a little bit more out of them. I know they just got their new quarterback. We'll see how that works out. Um, but I think Ohio State's in great shape. I, like you said, we'll see what happens with Jim Harbaugh. There's still a lot of questions that need to be answered within the conference. Uh, but speaking at this on, on two different lenses, first I'll, I'll speak on it through the 12-team playoff lens. You have more margin for error, right? You can drop an extra game. You can drop two games maybe and still make that 12-team that playoff, and I think that's good for Ohio State. At the same time, that's not their goal. Ohio State's goal is to go undefeated, win the Big Ten, win the, beat everybody on their schedule. That is their goal every single year. And I think that the 2024 Buckeyes will be capable of doing that. I think a lot of it depends on Will Howard. He doesn't need to win the Heisman. He just needs to be 10 to 20% better than Kyle McCord was this year. Really 10 to 20% more consistent than Kyle McCord. I would say McCord was a good player, just inconsistent. Uh, and I think Ohio State needs Will Howard to bring that consistency, bring that added element with his legs, kind of wear down these Big Ten defenses like you saw old Ohio State Urban Meyer teams do. And then they, can, they are certainly built for it now with Howard, who's a dual-threat guy. Uh, Quinchon Judkins, of course, an absolute bruiser. Um, potentially Travion Henderson. We'll see if he ends up coming back. He's, they're saying he's leaning towards coming back. Um, so I think Ohio State's got to feel good, even with this new lens of the Big Ten. It's certainly going to be harder around them. There's a lot of talent coming into this conference with the four new teams. Um, but I think it'll it'll be it'll be good for Ohio State to have that extra talent base around them. I think uh, what's what's the what's the phrase they always use? Um, competition breeds results or whatever it is. And I think you'll see that in the new Big Ten. I think Ohio State's in good position. I think they'll rise to the challenge this year. And I think, honestly, I think they're just fed up of people talking about them. I think they're tired of hearing that they're soft and they lose to Michigan every year. And Michigan's the new king of the Big Ten. And I think Ohio State's sick of that. And I think that's why a lot of these 2021 guys led by Jack Sawyer are all coming back because they're sick of hearing about it and they don't want it to be their legacy. So I think you'll see an energized Ohio State for 2024 and a team that really looks – to take uh, take the Big Ten back by storm and win every game that's on their schedule. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think I think they are fed up and because I you would not see I, in my life since I've been watching Ohio State and granted I've been watching them for a long time but uh, really for the last decade I've I've been seriously watching Ohio State and I've never seen this many play this many high end players that could go high in the draft or close to being seniors come back. Um, so they do seem extremely motivated. Talking about uh, the future of college football, what do you see happening with – so first of all, there, there's the issues that college football has had the past 10 years. And I love college football, and I know you love college football, but one of the things that's, that's frustrating about college football is it just feels like a lot of the, the so-called rules – and a lot of their scheduling just it just doesn't make sense. Um, you know, like why is the transfer portal opening in the three week period leading up to the New Year's all the bowl season? Uh, different things like that. What do you see happening with NIL? Obviously, it's not going to go away, and I and I I don't have a problem with it. Do you see do you see restrictions coming on it? And and not just NIL, but with the transfer portal, do you see those? Do you hear anything about those dates potentially changing? Um, with the scheduling, the way the national championship is scheduled, do you hear anything about about the scheduling changes and possible restrictions on NIL and or recruiting uh, violations, I guess, if you want to call it that? 
Yeah, great question. I think there's a lot that still needs to be answered. Um, I think in terms of the calendar, they've already said they're going to take a look at it, and I think it will be adjusted. I agree with you. I think that the the portal opening before the bowl games is terrible, um, and it's it, it devalues the bowl games and incentivizes basically forces players really to enter before the bowl games, and these rosters are so depleted. I mean, you're almost – I'll use Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl, for example. I mean, you're missing 10 guys. Florida State, Georgia, I mean, you're missing 50 players. You're missing half the team on both sides. You know, it's a little ridiculous at that point. So I do think they'll take a look at that. In terms of NIL, I think eventually a lot more of it is going to go through the schools themselves rather than these third-party collectives that are existing for every school. I think that way they can keep it more regulated and whatnot. Uh, but I don't think the dollar amounts will change. I think there's still going to be a lot of money thrown around. I think it will be more regulated through the schools, though. Um, and then finally, I think what's going to happen eventually is you're going to see the two big conferences, the Big Ten and the SEC, split away from the NCAA, build kind of their own Super League, NFL-style league, whatever you want to call it, um, and they'll have their own playoff, and then everybody else will stay under the NCAA. Um, so I think that's going to be the biggest change and also the farthest away. Um, I think that the calendar changes are certainly coming first, then the NIL changes, and then whatever that Super Conference end up looks like uh, down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, th- this era that we are approaching college football, um, despite the flaws that we just mentioned, and obviously, like you said, changes are coming. It is going to be probably the best era of college football that has ever really existed. And maybe that's a hot take, but it's just when you look at the expanded playoffs and the new conferences, we're going to get more regular season big games. We're going to get more postseason big games. More fans will be engaged later in the season because of their team still having a chance. So it's going to be terrific. With all next year's going to be the first year of the playoff in the Big Ten. What is your national championship prediction, and who's your national champion for next year? That is a great question. Um, I'll I'll, I'll do my top four here. I'll I'll kind of stick with what we've done the last 10 years and do kind of a top four. I think Ohio State gets it done this year. I really do. I'm not sure if they're going to win it all, uh, but I think they get it done in the Big Ten, and they're one of those final four teams. I like Georgia coming back and being strong. They were still close to to three-peating this year. They they looked like one of the top four teams, certainly, in their demolition of Florida State. Um, If they beat Alabama, who knows what happens. Um, I like the Crimson Tide, too. It depends on what happens with Nick Saban. I'm not sure exactly what's going on there, uh, but we'll see. I'm not I'm not sure if I'm going to put them in that top four yet. I know I like Ohio State uh, and Georgia in there for sure. Uh, I'm going to go a, a little bit of a dark horse here. I think Penn State is built for success this year. I like their additions on the defensive side of the ball. They've got a lot of talent on offense uh, with Drew Aller coming back. Uh, they always have a good offensive line. Added Julian Fleming at wide receiver from Ohio State. Uh, so I like Penn State there. Um, and then finally, you know, I think the Big 12 is still going to have one of those surprise teams, whether it's Florida, uh, excuse me, TCU, Baylor, a team like Houston jumping over, uh, a team like SMU moving to the ACC that people forget about. So I think there's a lot of dark horses this year. And you're going to see one of those teams maybe get one of those first-round upsets, and they're going to find their way into the Final Four. So I'll go with my national championship prediction right now, Ohio State and Georgia. Um, and I'm going to go with Georgia to, to capture their third crown in four years. But really, this is going to be a year where, where you see it kind of like a lot of these other sports, where once you get in, anything can happen. There's so many teams now. It'll be more like the NCAA tournament in basketball, where anybody can beat anybody on any given day, especially after you get out of those first-round uh, home games. 
And I think anybody can beat anybody. And you'll see that here this season. I'm really, really excited to watch it all play out. But if you had to ask me right now, I'm going to Ohio State and Georgia, Georgia to win it all. Um, and that will certainly change if you ask me again here over the next couple of months and into next season. Yeah, that that is a that that will be interesting to see because Georgia does have obviously people are pointing them losing Brock Bowers and them losing Lad McConkey, but they got they got dudes on that roster, so uh, they're definitely gonna be back in it. Alabama, like you said, returning Jalen Milrow. Um, so it, next year is gonna be a great year. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, David, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. Hope to speak to you again. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you having me. All right. That's wrapping up for this episode of Regen Radio. Have a great day, everybody.